What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of sports, DFS, and gambling. With over five years of hot takes and millions of downloads later, I guess he's been doing something right. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Welcome to the show, everybody. We are here to talk about the East region for uh, this year's March Madness pool. And uh, I gotta say... There's one big question we have to address when it comes to the East region, and that's what are you going to do about Duke? Because Duke won the ACC tournament. They're on a winning streak. They're Duke. Everyone loves them. Blah, blah, blah. But the issue that everyone, and I mean everyone, seems to ignore is the fact that the way Duke got their season back on track is entirely unduke-like. Duke, for all intents and purposes, changed their entire uh, strategy and approach as to how they uh, play the game. Duke, in terms of tempo, is 289th in the country. They slowed this their game down to, I mean, let's be clear, the Duke plays at a pace of a Big Ten school. Duke, for all intents and purposes, while they're uh, defensively they improved, offensively they are kind of meh. They're like they, they they really don't score a ton. They can shoot from beyond the arc, but realistically, the way you need to look at Duke, Duke is essentially what Wisconsin used to be over uh, under Bo, uh, Bo Ryan, wherein they play solid defense, they shoot beyond the arc. But they're gonna uh, they're gonna drag out uh, those possessions and force you to either make a mistake uh, and overcommit on defense, uh, uh, result in an open shot, and they they will have some possessions where they don't score. But it's all to make sure that they get back on defense and in the set position. Duke is not the Duke that you're accustomed to, where they're gonna put up a ton of points against you. And, and spread you out and keep chucking threes the way they were under the last decade or so under Coach K's tenure. Coach K's gone. John Shire's coach of the team now in his first year, and he had to make a lot of changes because Duke was brutal this year to start the season, and they were in danger of being UNT where they never got it back on track. Duke did get back on track, but they had to change a lot of things, and one of those uh, areas was the pace of the game. They had to slow it down. So, for all intents and purposes, Duke is a Big Ten school. So, for those of you looking at Duke as a five seed and thinking it's a trendy pick, everyone's on Duke. The mass public is on Duke. So, I'm just going to say this. If you're playing Duke... You gotta be doing something different in your other regions. I'm I'm just gonna be clear. If you're playing Duke, 
unless you're in a very small pool where it's under 30 people, if you're riding Duke to get to the Final Four or something else of that nature, Duke's a trendy pick in this region, and it, it's it's predominantly being driven by the public because uh, Duke they see the name Duke and they just pick Duke because they're seeing Duke as a five seed and look at the other teams and say, oh, Duke can beat these teams. And I'm here to say, Duke, yeah, it's possible, but more than likely, they're uh, they're going to get... I, I think Duke's going to get handled by Tennessee because Tennessee plays almost as slow as Duke, but they're a better defensive team and they're a better offensive team. They're actually a better offense than Duke. Uh, when you look at... So some of the statistical measures from an efficiency standpoint and scoring. Tennessee, even though yeah, it's Tennessee, you're you're not really thinking of uh men's basketball for Tennessee. Yeah, they actually do match up extremely well against Duke. They're the four seed. Everyone's picking the upset of Duke beating Tennessee in the second round. You know, provided that uh, both of these squads get out of the first round. But I'm just here to say from a, a game theory standpoint, Tennessee is favored by uh, the stats and the analytics of when they're kind of running the game scenarios. You got to be very careful with how you're setting up uh, your brackets this year if you're playing Duke. That That's my precur- uh, precursory warning to everyone because the other piece of it is Oral Roberts, although they are not what you would call a powerhouse, they are dangerous as a 12 seed because you've got a team that actually plays up tempo, unlike Duke, uh, uh, from a tempo standpoint. Oral Roberts is the top uh, 25 team in terms of tempo, and from an offensive efficiency standpoint, they're also a top 25 team. Oral Roberts, if they get their shot dropping from beyond the arc early and kind of get Duke in a hole, we could get ourselves into an upset alert situation come halftime because Duke is not built this year to be a team that pushes the pace and rallies from behind to come back. Duke's in that same boat as UVA where you put them in a hole they kind of stay in that hole. Like it's hard for them to come back from a double-digit deficit. That that's just the way it is because of the pace they play at. They're not used to getting outside their comfort zone and, and playing fast. So Duke and Virginia have the exact same flaws of what you would expect. But again, UVA is accustomed to playing that, and we'll talk about UVA when we talk about the South region. But Duke, this is pretty much a new experience for them. They are not used to playing this slow. So, without much further ado, let's uh, start breaking down the rest of this region. Obviously, you have Purdue as the overall uh, uh, top seed in the East. The biggest issue with uh, Purdue is, while they have the best player of the country in Edie, that painter is very suspect at times in terms of his coaching decisions. And if you watch the Big Ten title game, the fact that 
Purdue almost lost that to Penn State. You could track strictly back by weird coaching decisions by Matt Painter in late game situations, which again has been a bugaboo for this squad in years past in the tournament. I don't necessarily have confidence that uh, Purdue is going to be able to rectify that again this year, just because uh, even though Painter's a good coach, you know, certain coaches just do not function well in the tournament, and he just may be one of those cases. But I will say, from the draw that they're facing, a second-round matchup against either Memphis or Florida Atlantic, significantly in favor of Purdue. And so then you're talking about a Sweet 16 where you you got the potential of Duke or Tennessee. That's where it, it gets a little bit icy. So I, I kind of look at it from the standpoint of Purdue should be comfortably into the Sweet 16. And then you have, the as I said, the Duke question. You know, provided they get past Oral Roberts, which I expect to happen. Uh, Tennessee, I expect to be able to handle Louisiana Lafayette. I just think Tennessee is a straight-up better team than Duke this year. I do think Tennessee gets past Duke. And in a matchup against Purdue and Tennessee, I think Tennessee has a very live shot at beating uh, Purdue. Uh, From a theory standpoint, I think Tennessee is highly undervalued in the marketplace in terms of... uh, where the bracket selection seem to be going, you know, you're going to get folks playing the chalk with Purdue. Uh, And again, Edie is probably one of, if not the best player in this tournament. Uh, The big man just dominates the glass and is one of the last sides of the big man playing a dominant role on an offense uh, in the college game, because obviously we don't get that in the NBA anymore. Uh, outside of uh, Embiid and and Joker. But I just look at this standpoint. uh, When I look at this, and you can get a little bit different by taking Tennessee to knock off Purdue, I think in larger pools, it's a worthwhile gamble because so many people are on Duke. You leverage the spot where you have Tennessee over Duke, and then you take Tennessee... uh, to block out the rest of the Duke contingent that would have taken Duke over Purdue, because that's a popular pick too, is uh, folks selecting Duke to beat Purdue. Again, I don't necessarily like that matchup for Duke. I think uh, as uh, they've improved defensively, I don't think Duke has any answers on the interior for Edie, and I think Purdue would win that matchup. Now, on the bottom half of the draw, you've got Kentucky... Kansas State, and I would say Marquette. I don't see any other team in that bottom half of the region being able to put a run into the Elite Eight outside of those three. Uh, You know, will there be folks picking Michigan State? Michigan State was not that solid this year. The Big Ten was pretty average at best uh, outside of Purdue. Kentucky, while they had a solid year, Coach Cal has struggled in the tournament lately with uh, these younger teams getting them ready. And Providence is a scrappy squad where 
you know, if you want to look at an upset that people aren't really talking about, Providence over Kentucky is very, uh, very live as a potential upset. And again, depending on your seed for uh, your pool format, if you get the seed points or upset points, that's where Providence could be very useful from a game theory standpoint. Of they are live to uh, take that upset, and Kansas State is solid enough team, but I definitely feel comfortable with taking Kentucky over Kansas State. And I think uh, Providence could beat Kansas State as well. So, again, depending on your format, you may be wanting uh, to be a little bit more adventurous in some of these other regions. The East is an opportunity to do so in this bottom half because I do think Providence has a chance for an upset and they have a live chance of getting to the Sweet 16. Now, on the bottom half of the draw, I think this is Marquette all day. Marquette realistically could come out of this region and it wouldn't be a surprise from a rating standpoint. You've got essentially a top 10 team as a a two seed. They're top 10 in offense of uh, efficiency. They are in the top of 50 in defensive efficiency. They play at a pretty good tempo and they've, already face a pretty strong strength of schedule in the Big East. They're used to playing uh, scrappy games. None of the teams that they're matching up against would give Marquette that much of a different look than they what they've already seen this year. So from my standpoint, Marquette has, I think, better equity to make the Final Four than what you would get out of Purdue. The only question for Marquette is realistically, you know, can they put it all together? Because I don't necessarily see a bad matchup for Marquette. I see some complicated matchups for Purdue uh, matching up against Tennessee or Duke, but realistically, I would still expect uh, Purdue to prevail. On the Marquette side, I don't see any matchups for Marquette where they should struggle. I think Marquette with their draw, should be a pretty solid shot into the Elite Eight. It's just a matter of who they face in the Elite Eight. Is it Purdue? Is it Tennessee? Is it Duke? You know, you got a couple of uh, options, but I do think uh, Marquette is live to beat any of those teams. And again, depending on the pool size, you could go, uh, try to get a little bit different in uh, one of the regions, and I would suggest uh, uh, targeting this East region because, again, from my estimation, Duke, while their seed could have been higher, they are most likely going to be the chalkiest play of the day. So uh, I'm going to take a quick pause here, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back. Uh, with uh, getting into uh, the South region. Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. What's so 
special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. All right. Next up, we have the South Region, and it comes down to Alabama because, you know, the story of Alabama has more to do with the off the field issues surrounding their freshman star, Brandon Miller, than the team itself because, you know, they dominated Texas AM. And Texas AM was the prohibitive number two team in the SEC. They were better than Kentucky. No matter what the selection committee may indicate to you by the seedings, A&M was the second best team in the SEC, and they still dominated all the SEC schools. So if for any reason this Alabama team struggles, it's going to be a bad year for the SEC because they were pretty much... uh, (laughs) it It was pretty much Alabama... And not much else in uh, that conference just because of how wide the uh, margin was in terms of uh, the dominance. So, you know, when I look at this region, I basically kind of come down to the question of, all right, how do you want to address Alabama? Are you having them go chalk through the rest of the tournament? Who is possibly knocking off this team? And that's the tricky part because realistically, you're trying to be at least a little bit different. But the the fact of the matter is, I kind of look at this Alabama team as uh, the square where you're just looking, you're, you're essentially looking at that Alabama team until the Elite Eight. I, I, I don't really see the alternative of trying to knock off Alabama early. I, I think it's 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 a bit foolhardy, to be perfectly honest, calling for an upset of Alabama before the Elite Eight. They have the overall number one seed. They have a comfortable draw. Realistically, the only potential threat might be a San Diego State, and I honestly think uh, Alabama runs San Diego State off the floor uh, if in a, a potential matchup. The pace at which Alabama plays at it is pretty much unmatched by anybody in the top uh, top twenty five rankings. Their defense, they force turnovers, they chuck a lot of threes, but they also force turnovers, and that's the key because they are, you know, in the top twenty of offensive efficiency. 
they talk about, oh, okay, well, you know, what if they have a bad shooting night? Yeah, it's true. They could have a bad shooting night. But the the, the difference is, is that, you know, uh, Javion uh, Qu- uh, Quinterly and Jaden Bradley, they are able to move the ball around and get some decent ball movement. So, again, even on the nights when they're not shooting well, their offensive efficiency doesn't really suffer that much. That's why they're still top five in offensive efficiency uh, in most categories. Uh, the biggest thing you could say with Alabama is just the fact that, you know, are they going to get potentially distracted by more questions surrounding Brandon Miller? So far, it really hasn't seemed to impact the squad at all. You know, again, this is a, a team that, you know, you've got an NBA talented Miller, Noah Clowney is uh, is probably going to be in the the mix for a first round pick in the draft. They rebound and they shoot threes. It, you know, it, it really is that simple. Like I, I can't try to overcomplicate things. I don't see a team outside of maybe Arizona or Baylor knocking out Alabama this year. I just I'm I'm not seeing it. Maybe maybe they, they slip on a banana peel and just uh, take an opponent too lightly. But realistically, I don't see the scenario where Alabama loses before the Elite Eight. And I mean that that's that's really what it comes down to. I I, I don't see Alabama losing before the Elite Eight. I I can't be any clearer than that. So. Who who do we have that can match up against Alabama? We've got Arizona, who last year uh, were knocked off uh, in a Sweet 16 uh, by Houston. And that's part of the reason why Houston's a favorite to win it all again is Houston returned most of that squad. Arizona lost lost the number of players to the NBA uh, draft last year. And they still came back with a, another uh, uh, top tier squad. You know they've, uh, you know, outside of, uh, you know, outside of UCLA, you know, they were the top team in the Pac-12. But realistically, again, I'm going to talk about the pace, but I want teams that can score and get easy buckets. Arizona, again, top ten in pace. Basically, the only other teams that can match up from a tempo standpoint with Alabama is Arizona. That's why I kind of look at it from uh, the situation where even the Baylor teams of the past would have been comparable matchups. But Baylor this year isn't even a tempo-based offense. I'm, I'm literally only seeing Arizona being in the mix here. Uh, to get it done against uh, Alabama. And for the most part, I'm more inclined to, and j- just being uh, being honest, I'm more inclined to uh, see where we end up in, in terms of uh, some of these matchups. I think it's going to have to take a 
team that can slow down Alabama enough and play defense, you're probably not seeing that until Arizona. Because Arizona is a solid defensive squad, and they can play fast. I honestly think it's it's probably going to have to come down to Arizona. If Arizona can get past Baylor to be the squad that can knock off Alabama before the Final Four. I, I, I'm I just not seeing uh, the trap games that you would be concerned about with uh, a number of teams. Now, again, you could always have a bad game. I just look at it from the standpoint of you got to be realistic in terms of how the matchups play out. And I don't see a ton of bad matchups for Alabama. I, I, I look at it from the standpoint of... You know, Alabama, realistically, is going to be pretty much in the mix. Now, you could say, uh, you know, any given Sunday, but I I don't see it before the Elite Eight. Uh, That's just the long and short of it. Now, the question uh, comes down to, can, you know, Baylor rebound uh, enough? Because... You, uh, Baylor's got some wins over uh, UCLA, Gonzaga, and Arkansas. And so, from an efficiency standpoint, Baylor's technically the second most efficient team on offense. They play at a so- slower pace, and they're not a great defensive squad, but they can get offensive rebounds, and that's part of their offensive efficiency, is that they crash the boards, and they can still get to the spots that they need to. I, I honestly think that, you know, it comes down to can Arizona or Baylor step up and, and take care of business. Now, the only question is, you know, Arizona's the two, Baylor's the three. They're going to have to play each other. But, again, I don't necessarily see the scenario where in this region we get a lot of separation uh, between some of these squads. I, I honestly think it, it comes down to uh, this region coming out to these three teams. Everyone else, you know. They're there for the participation. I, I don't really see the upsets coming out of this region. Uh, of course, as I say that, that's probably the trigger point where all these teams start getting knocked off, but I'm not seeing it. Uh, Creighton, uh, people might be talking up Creighton a bit as a dark horse, as a six seed. Creighton goes through too many offensive uh, droughts uh, uh, from a deficiency standpoint for me to take them seriously. You know, I talk, and yes, the stats for Creighton do look good, but when you actually start looking at their tempo, and again, from a lot of their strengths get boosted by the fact that the competition they played against in the Big East, but from a pure athleticism standpoint, Creighton does not match up against uh, Arizona, Baylor, let alone Alabama. That's why I can't take it seriously. Uh, Virginia, too slow. The, the ACC was down this year, and Virginia just plays too slow. I, I can't take Virginia against Alabama. Uh, you know, could somehow Virginia play a perfect game and knock off Alabama? Sure. But I still think San Diego State's more likely to knock off Virginia than it is for Virginia to get to the Sweet 16 and then knock off Alabama. Uh, I think in this region, you're going to have to take your poison as to do you 
just eat the chalk in Alabama or you try to get creative and see if uh, Arizona or Baylor can knock them off in the Elite Eight. But I don't, I don't really have another answer outside of those two teams. To me, this region it should be the most set region in terms of uh, the favorites going through, and then you can kind of pick your upsets if you want to take some stabs, uh, depending on uh, the, your pool alignment of uh, plays you want to uh, call for. But outside of that, um, not much here that I'm looking to uh, take a gamble on. So uh, that's all I got for uh, my breakdown of, of the South. Again, not too much in terms of where I would want to be positioning myself other than taking Alabama, Arizona, or Baylor to come out of the region. But realistically, I'm more heavily centered towards Alabama and Arizona than anyone else uh, in the bracket. So that's all I got uh, for this uh, breakdown. Uh, uh, Stick around for the next couple episodes. We'll we'll finish out the brackets and uh, some final thoughts on the tournament as a whole. Take care, folks. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major outlets. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.